Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Union Matters, NSGEU's weekly podcast. I'm your host this week, Holly, and I'm joined here today by Alex Stratford, Executive Director of the Nova Scotia College of Social Workers, and our own president, Jason McLean. Welcome. Thanks Thanks for for having us. Uh, So thank you for agreeing to chat with me today. I know we're going to be talking about this joint campaign, uh, Child Welfare on the Brink, which launched in January. And it's interesting because social workers have a duty to advocate for their clients. And we, uh, the college and the union, both have a duty to advocate for social workers because they are our members. So Alec, I'm hoping we can start by you kind of telling me briefly uh, what exactly child welfare social workers do. Yeah, child welfare workers are uh, probably uh, some of the most hardworking and skilled uh, workers we have in this province. Um, And what they do is they work with families and children and youth who are experiencing uh, some kind of neglect or abuse or challenges in the home that are putting uh, the child's safety at risk. Uh, What our members are able to do is to go in um, and empathetically connect with those families, with those children, um, to determine and to work in solidarity to find a way to make that home safe uh, and to really uh, create better well-being for everyone. It is a very complex uh, job because it involves so many different elements. Um, The case management involved at one point in time on one case could be uh, looking at housing issues, to food security issues, to mental health and addictions issues, um, to issues with childcare, to issues with food security, um, and all of these uh, Uh, complexity of issues uh, really make up one case file and at this point in time we're seeing case files that are exceeding you know 20 uh, and in some cases I've heard up to 80 so it is a it is a tough job um, but it is a job that is also incredibly rewarding Um, we know that uh, our members and our social workers uh, got into this field um, because they care they care about kids they care about youth um, they want to make a difference in the world uh, and child protection is is an amazing place to be able to do that um, to be able to connect with families often at their worst or sometimes in crisis and be able to leave some of that stress and be able to work to uh, create greater well-being overall mm-hmm. sounds like it's a tough job too um, because it's a very emotional job at times it sounds like um, but also a lot of paperwork yeah I mean that is part of the challenges we see is that we uh, are our social workers are trained professionals. They're regulated. Um, that That's our job at the college um, to ensure that there are a high standard of, of care and a, a high standard within the profession. Um, on a daily basis, they are uh, sitting around tables, and it is they are in folks' homes. They are in folks' um, cars. They're in people's emergency rooms. They are across the province in various settings, oftentimes meeting people at their worst moments um, and being able to alleviate that stress um, find some meaning within all of that is is part of their role. Um, it is incredibly challenging uh, to be able to do that, and and this is the thing is that it is um, it, it is a profession uh, and it is a skill that is undervalued. Um, we continually marginalize professional care in this province, and I would say across Canada, um, we don't value it as much as other professions. And this is something that overall needs to change. So I think this is actually the first time that the NSGU and the college have worked together on a campaign like this. Why now? Just actually, just what uh, Alex was telling you there, uh, what we have is our members telling us that there's families, that there's children, that there's youth that are at risk out there in the province. 
And uh, Alex was talking about this profession being undervalued. Well, yes, it is undervalued. I believe our members undervalue themselves because they're putting themselves before these families and they're out there and doing it. So our job is to advocate for these members. And uh, that's what we're out here doing because they're putting it down every day uh, and just laying it all out there so a child doesn't get hurt, so a family can be fed, so quality of life improves for other people. All the while, their quality of life is deteriorating. So we need to step up, and I'm really glad that uh, we have this relationship with the with the College of Social Workers because uh, it, it's been something that is real uh, and will help Nova Scotians in the long run if we are effective in getting government to respond. That's right. I would say that you know uh, the college's primary objective is protection of the public. Uh, we act as a professional association as well to support our members in achieving the standards of our profession. The union is there to represent the members, and these are not mutually exclusive issues. Uh, what is in the interest of the public is also in the interest of the workers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's true in many services, uh, particularly in this one, um, in that when members uh, are stretched beyond belief because they're doing administrative work, when they are going exceeding their hours of work um, to be there with families um, uh, and when they are only able to do it when they're in crisis, not able to do that upfront work. This has a huge impact on the public, uh, on on how we're able to deliver, deliver services. So the conditions of uh, the conditions for the workers impact uh, how that service is delivered uh, for the public, uh, and that's something that we absolutely need to see change. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, uh, this is a trend throughout NSGEU. What we've been doing is trying to link up with those other groups that affect our members in our members work because uh, we need a full picture on what's going on there so yeah we could tell you that things are bad for workers but also the college could tell you that uh, things are bad uh, for the clients that they represent as well so uh, I think it gives you a a fuller picture of what's going on out there in the province. Mm -hmm. And it's the type of work like you were alluding to earlier, Jason, that the social workers really do take home with them. It's not something that they can leave behind. It's not a nine to five gig. So it has a pretty far reaching effect on their their lives at home as well. It's interesting. I always talk about um, our members being exploited. People go into social work because they care. People go in social work because they want to fix things. They want to help people. And when they're seeing that people can't be helped during a, a normal work day. They're working all hours. They're not. They're working without overtime. Sometimes with overtime, but they're putting it all out there to put the case in a better spot. And that's another thing. When we have people that uh, have larger caseloads, and that is the majority. That that is the norm here. That people and the employer would agree with that. That people are covering caseloads that is uh, beyond what they should be covering. Not all cases are created equal. There's more parts to one case than there is to another. And uh, this person that's the social worker is the outreach, is the person that's reaching out to other agencies and putting things together for the family. So uh, to say somebody has 80 cases or to say somebody has 20 cases, the cases are so complex Mm -hmm. that you just can't say that, oh, this person only has this many because um, it just entails so much more. Yeah, it's a bit more nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. So Alec, just on that point, um, are there actually like caseload levels that they're supposed to adhere to? Yeah, the province does have a policy on caseload standards. It's 20 years old now, and it was a fight to even get that in place 20 years ago. And what it says is that 
social workers are to have a mix of high, medium, and low risk files, no more than 20. Um, we do know now, uh, in particular, that uh, national and international standards show that the number is closer to 15 or 17. But as Jason was alluding to, you know, there's two different issues here. It's not just caseloads, it's workloads. And that, uh, you know, a caseload number can be seen very arbitrarily if you have, you know, 10 very high risk, uh, high um, and, and needs uh, families on, on that caseload. So mm -hmm. it is far more nuanced than just that number. However, we do know that that number that we're working with is often exceeded, uh, is 20 years old, and ultimately isn't in line with international and national standards. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So are we are we trying to get that looked at again by, with the province? Is that something that... I know that's something that both uh, the union and ourselves has talked about is how are you looking at the issue of caseloads? What is the standard that you are moving towards? And what kind of analysis have you done at this point in time? Which is the bigger question because it's hard to say, as Jason alluded to, what's going to be the right number if we haven't even done an analysis of vacancies, of, uh, of where we are with staffing levels, mm -hmm. um, and of what that works like in terms of overtime workloads and burnout. And burnout's not just like an, an anecdote that we're talking about. We have numbers that show the significant amount of burnout that's happening among social workers. And that has huge repercussions across the delivery of the service. You know, uh, when we talk to our members and when we talk to other stakeholders, you know, we hear stories uh, about clients having in a period of six months, five different workers, um, which isn't pr good practice for mm. how we want to build relationships and move forward with clients, but that's the reality because of the turnover, because of the burnout, mm. um, because uh, we haven't created the conditions that are supportive for workers to come in and be able to do this really challenging work. Um, so I understand too there have been changes to the Nova Scotia Children and Family Services Act recently. Um, can you tell me a bit about those changes and any impact that those changes have kind of made on the jobs of the social workers? Yeah, I can... Um, uh, going in a little bit about that, uh, we saw 80 amendments come through with the Children and Family Services Act, uh, and it was time that it needed to be updated, and, and reviewing your legislation is a good, uh, positive process. What we heard before the act came into place was concerns from both stakeholders and members about the readiness of the system to uh, bring on those new changes. Um, with no real tangible plan as to what would happen. Um, the amendments themselves did increase the overall workload, um, given that they added the categories of uh, 16 to 19 year olds into the realm of child protection. Uh, they expanded the definition of neglect, uh, which means that referrals are uh, coming in more often. Uh, and another point is that they uh, reestablished mandatory reporting or pushed mandatory reporting for professionals. So there's another avenue in which more calls are coming into. Uh, and they they also uh, decreased the amount of time uh, that was needed for a file uh, before it had to go to court. All of these things speak to more administrative burden and more work put on social workers without any more resources put into place to manage that. That is the point right there. Mm -hmm. Nobody's arguing that these changes weren't needed and, and these additions are welcome. But there's no new people to administer this. We, we got a system that was already overburdened, and there's no new people to actually help out with the increased workload that we have there. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we're putting out here. So they've increased the scope, but they've not increased the funding. Absolutely. That's right. And they did an initial uh, assessment of uh, an impact assessment and, and determined somehow that they would be able to do all of this work, transition to more intervention services without more resources. Uh, anyone who knows the system well, and I think this is part of the issue as well, is that anyone who knows the system well knows that you can't just 
get rid of long-term case files like that. It's not mm -hmm. something in which you're just able to say, okay, family, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go over here and do more preventative work. Um, particularly when we know that there's a lack of community resources or other supports to be able to uh, have that family be able to do well after that intervention is mm -hmm. in place. And that you know, is part of the broader issue that we're speaking to as well. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to hear that the minister has a magic wand. It would be <laughs> nice if she used it. Oh, well, it, it's interesting. Um, the, the former deputy associate minister, I, I asked her, I said, is anything we have on the website, which is childwelfareunderbrink.org, is any of that not factual? And she said, no, it, it is factual. So there's admission by government that something needs to be done. And I've met with high-ranking officials with government in, in the past few weeks, and I've told them nothing less than adding more people to the system and putting more funds into the system will fix this problem. That is it. We're trying not to be ambiguous in what we're looking for. We're trying to say we need more people, more social workers in the system right now, and you need to hire more people, and you need to put more funding in there to properly promote what it is you're looking to do. There's a need out there around this province, and we got some offices that are screaming for help, and uh, we can't stop talking about it. This mm -hmm. is a crisis that we have right now, and we need to approach it that way. Right. And I, it is about resources. And, you know, whenever we go, and I'm sure Jason has experienced this too, whenever we go and speak to either uh, ministers in the government or uh, top ranking uh, bureaucrats, they're always about, yeah, but like, give us something more than, than just resources. Like, what else can we be doing? It, no, it, this is about an erosion of civil services over the past 30 years that is now having substantial consequences on our population and the health of our population. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that continues to strike me is that our measurement of success in a society is how much GDP we are able to produce it is a poor measurement overall. Uh, and, and to be honest, like we've set that as our measurement and we've done really well at doing that. Um, you know, our GDP continues to grow. The rich keep getting richer. There's, there's continued wealth going down, but it's had a consequence on the well-being of our society um, because in order to do that, we've made taxes low. We've cut expenditure to civil services and social services. And the most vulnerable have become more vulnerable. And the most vulnerable have become more vulnerable. So this is about, this isn't just about, I want to say that this isn't just about child protection. They're feeling this absolutely the most at this point in time. But this is a trend uh, that we've seen for 20 or 30 years now that needs to be stopped and changed and thought about differently. Mm -hmm. We cannot do this work. We cannot continue uh, to, to let the most vulnerable uh, continue to be marginalized and oppressed and think that we're doing a good job mm. as a society. Well, we know, that's this we government. Know a good job is yeah. not being done. Mm -hmm. Well, this government, every time that they introduce a quote unquote balanced budget or they have a surplus, it's like they're looking for a sticker from people. Like, this is not something that should be applauded or awarded when you have services mm. and the most vulnerable yeah, population. Yeah, how could you be screening? proud of a balanced budget when, when the province is going down and it's going down fast? People are not happy right now, and it's not that they're not happy with government. Just quality of life is getting worse in Nova Scotia, and it's getting worse by having austerity measures out there coming from a government. So it's very interesting times because uh, we are looking at surpluses, mm -hmm. and uh, this government is, is coming. They're opening the house on February 28th. I will be there along with our political action committee. They're opening, and shortly thereafter, they'll be delivering a budget uh, in mid to late March, and uh, it's going to be quite interesting to see where the funds get put. We know mm -hmm. funds need to be put into uh, child welfare, and funds need to be put into health care as well. And, uh, and not to mention 
other things. But I've been hearing announcements from this government, uh, announcement after announcement over the last year and a half, that they're investing in this, they're investing in that, and everything is 2021. And I can't believe that we're standing for a better Nova Scotia two years out from now uh, when they can do it today. They need to make some investments right now. Mm-hmm. What uh, strikes me every year is uh, the premier usually gives a state of the province address. Yes. Uh, that's usually done uh, in front of a wealthy group of elite business owners and bankers. Uh, and he's able to say the province is doing well because we have a balanced budget. We're investing, uh, businesses are investing here and we're seeing our economy grow. I highly doubt that the premier would get the same response if he were giving that same address uh, to the group of folks who are continually marginalized uh, and oppressed and not looked after by our province. Mm-hmm. If you were to take a group of, of, of child welfare clients, of folks who are not receiving health care properly, of seniors, and he were to deliver that address, I think the response would be very, very different. Mm-hmm. And We've that's seen what happened of, in Cape Breton. He got booed. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is at the root, I think, of the challenge here is that whose interests are being represented by this government at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not seem... Like it is the interest of all Nova Scotians. It seems like it's the interest of a few wealthy elite. Hmm. And they're not interested in talking about the hard issues either. Like we saw at public accounts mm-hmm. this week, they just decided we don't want to talk about those things. And so they've taken it totally off the radar. We're not even having those mm-hmm. discussions in a public way anymore because they're controlling the dialogue. Mm-hmm. They're controlling the dialogue by increasing privacy where people can't access what is being talked about. And not only that, they're, they're stopping what can be talked about. This is something that people need to pay attention to. We, we didn't come here as to come across as anti-McNeil uh, government, but McNeil government has some issues and it needs to be addressed by the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that that is absolutely at the root of this issue is that uh, as a society and, and uh, we have to start to reflect on what is it that we want for ourselves. We've continually pictured uh, economic growth uh, continued, you know, GDP expansion as our measurement. Uh, and I, I don't believe that that's actually what we think or believe. We have to I think come forward as a, as a social movement, as a well-being of communities of people, um, make those measurements that we mark our success on. Um, and I think that that'll change the tone of government um, and also uh, force us or at least drive us to be more empathetic to one another mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of looking at the almighty uh, growth of our, of our GDP because mm-hmm. it is a poor measurement mm-hmm. of success. Yeah, it's how we how well we care for one another as a society, and that has gotten lost along the way. Oh, that sounds like a good world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so just coming back to the campaign, so what are we actually hoping to accomplish with the campaign? What are we asking for? Well, as I said before, what we're looking for is more people, more full-time jobs in child welfare. We have the services, we have the programming, we have the act actually that's been updated, but we don't have the people to deliver the services, and that's what we need there. So we need the funding put forward by government to have more people in the system. And uh, in certain circles, I had the conversation. Uh, well, you're doing this, you're doing this campaign. Uh, I think that'll be detrimental to uh, recruiting people and whatnot. And I was like, no. I said, what would be detrimental to it is how you respond to it. And if you were going to put money into the system, then you will have these people that are currently studying to become social workers Mm -hmm. to want to work for the province Mm -hmm. of Nova Scotia. Because guess what? The province believes in its people and it's going to deliver the services that are needed. And I can go into the field well equipped. 
and I, I'm in the school of social work all the time talking to students and they want to do this work. They're excited to come out and have a full-time job, um, you know, that's protected by a union that has benefits it is exciting for them. Um, however, those young social workers need to land in a supportive environment that's going to mentor and nurture them into this complex role. That's what's going to speak to retention. Us saying that there's a problem isn't going to deal with retention or recruitment mm -hmm. at all. Them acknowledging that there's a problem and putting in the resources and putting forward uh, the supports to, to, to bring new grads in um, is, is part of the solution that, uh, that we need to see put in mm -hmm. place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Alec, too, I noticed that the wording in the campaign we're using, is, it talks about the underfunding of social programs in general. Um, so why is it important for all of our social programs to be adequately funded, not just the child welfare portion? Because, again, as we mentioned about the complexity of issues, is that uh, it would be... Uh, unfair to assume that one social worker could manage all of the complexities of a family. Um, we recently saw a new policy come in place. Again, good policy come in place around social workers uh, checking in on immigration status of, of, of clients. It's an important and a, a vital policy that's in place. However, here's another complex task um, with an administrative burden to it, um, and that is one social worker wouldn't be able to accomplish by themselves. So when we're talking about the complexity of case management that's in place, we're talking about things like income support. Um, we know that poverty has a substantial impact uh, on the stress that families are feeling uh, and uh, and how folks are be are able to uh, move forward in in some of these complex issues. We know that housing continues to be an issue. You know, we saw the federal government make a pledge for forty billion dollars or something like that in new housing. And I saw a statistic the other day that since they put that money in, we've seen about fourteen thousand new units across Canada, which is nothing. So where's that? Where's that spending? Where's that? Where's that money to bring in new where's affordable housing? Right, right. To to continue on with those things. We know. We know the statistics. Uh, around wait times and mental health and addictions. Mm -hmm. um, we know the problem of the underfunding in that system. Um, what happens for these very vulnerable clients is the same thing that happens to every other Nova Scotian, is they say, I've got, I'm having health, I'm, I'm not, not feeling well, and they get put in a, 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 on a wait list mm -hmm. um, to, you know, in, in Cape Breton, I think the wait time is still close to a year in terms of statistics. Um, so we continue to see a lack of supports uh, around overall wellness uh, for social workers to be able to utilize. So it's not, yes, having more workers is essential, but having tools to be able to do the work mm -hmm. is also equally as essential. It's like sending a carpenter to try and build a house uh, w without even having a, a miter saw, mm -hmm. um, is how do you expect them to do that? Mm -hmm. It's going to take them three times as long um, mm -hmm. if they're just using a handsaw at that yeah. point in time. It, it sounds like it's a lot, it, a lot of it is about um, putting the proper supports in place so that we don't get to a place where child welfare workers need to be involved at all, even. Like, it, it, a lot of it is ensuring that we're kind of preventing. Well, that's it, right? It is, and that was the intent of this new act. And, and I can tell you that you don't need an act to prevent or to put preventative services in place. The act is there to, uh, as, as the this is the most substantial impact we can have, and this is there to, again, create some uh, 
legal barriers and some some legal grounds as to when uh, we might need to take more intervention. But the prevention comes in that social spending. Ensuring folks have adequate income. Yeah. Ensuring folks have dignified employment. Uh, aren't making uh, a minimum wage that is far below uh, the the living wage in in this province. Um, and ensuring that both workers and and um, uh, and the public that they serve are have the tools and the resources to be well. And you you talk about you know what else needs to be expanded well we look at our case eights that are doing yeah. that are doing the work with our social workers Absolutely. right and uh their jobs have been significantly changed as well so what we want and what we've been bringing to the to uh, government's attention is uh you are making these changes and you're actually hurting families in the process so that has happened uh we are on it and what we have is a government that uh they appear to be listening but how closely are they listening and how do they respond? And we are going to be getting the response quite yeah. soon. I think they're listening, but they're stymied by their own yeah. ideology and mm-hmm. policy at this point in time, which is I if you're, if your goal is a, if your goal is a balanced budget, if your goal is keeping taxes mm-hmm. on the rich low, um, then that really shorts your ability to mm-hmm. put the spending in where it needs to go and to put the social services in yeah. where it needs to I, go. I'm just, I'm just a believer in something's got to give. Mm-hmm. It's been austerity measures straight through. I don't think Nova Scotians will stand for more austerity in, in, a, in a new budget. Mm-hmm. People are relatively quiet right now, even though every crisis that's been pointed out by this union and by, and by your organization mm-hmm. uh, is getting worse. So, uh, you know, I've, I've listened to government officials. Uh, it seems like things are moving in the direction where things are going to change. I, I'm uh, still, I'm not any supporter of this government, but I we're giving pressure to this government to do things, and it has to give here. If it doesn't, there there'll be all hell to pay for because we have to take this on. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's even talk about the plan that we've heard about, um, because we know uh, to deal with this particular issue in, um, is that we uh, continually hear that the Department of Community Services is in transformation. The transformation <laughs> is a seven-year process. We're in year four. Give us three years, and we'll land where we want to go. Mm-hmm. So the question is, where do we want to go? What does that look like? What is the end result? Uh, which, to me, I, I don't know, Jason, I, I don't have a clear picture of, of what that's going to look like What's or where we're going to land. Despite, More of the same isn't isn't yeah, what we need. Despite asking for that. Mm-hmm. And then we ask, and, and in the media we've heard, uh, you know, the Department of Community Services respond to this crisis with, well, we've moved positions around and we've given social workers uh, more laptops and more cell phones so that they can work more often in more places, which is actually at the root of the problem that we're talking about, that <laughs> exactly. that is happening too often at this point in time. Yeah, that's, that's at the root point. of burnout. Um, and so Mm-mm. these aren't real plans. Mm-mm. These are uh, plans derived from a managerial lens on how do we create efficiencies mm-hmm. in our system rather than particularly at the root of this file and, and, and in, in child protection, which is about how do we build better human connection? Yeah. How do we ensure that our members have the space and the time to be able to sit down with the family, not just do a risk assessment, but do an assessment of all the strengths of the community of that family um, so that they can put forward meaningful plans. Time um, is key. Yeah. It, time is absolutely key. Just on that, I find this really laughable because I was just reading this morning an article with 
the premier talking about how the Nova Scotia Teachers Union needs to deal with their pension shortfall right now and that it's not appropriate that we kick the can down the road any further. But he seems perfectly content to kick the can down the road further when it comes to child protection and issues of our most vulnerable population. That's so quite simple. The hypocrisy it, is amazing. The hypocrisy is indeed amazing because he's quick to point the finger at others and won't accept the blame himself. He's been in government too long to say that this is somebody else's problem. So what he's saying is it's not a problem at all. Mm-hmm. The same thing in healthcare. He won't admit that there's a crisis mm-hmm. in healthcare, although everybody is talking about how bad healthcare is. Mm-hmm. So we need things again, and you can only shake people so much and say things to people so much. So I, every time that I get to talk to our membership, I'm talking in a polit- out of a political lens, and I tell them because politics rule our lives. Our jobs are, are funded by what government decides to spend here or there. You, you get laid off or you lose your job because government decided not to fund something, but it's more than somebody in the public service getting laid off. It's a family that's going to suffer because we serve Nova Scotians. So the expertise and the jobs that are there that are funded by government, people could say, yeah, we need to cut back on our spending. Well, you're cutting back at your own detriment because it's you that will be looking for services and that our members deliver. So the buck has to stop somewhere and it has to stop with McNeil. Well, and I mean, you're, it raises the good point of how balanced of a budget is this if if we are deferring our responsibility on social spending now and we know the consequence of that uh, down the line is that it usually comes back in more expensive, mm-hmm. more complex ways when we don't deal with it up front. So again, child protection is a service that speaks to that very directly in terms of when we underfund um, child protection, when we're not able to do the work with families up front, oftentimes those families uh, will end up with pretty chronic and severe mental health and addiction issues. Um, Often, unfortunately, we'll end up in the justice system. Um, And that when we look at what's happening with the teachers and in classrooms right now, when we talk about, you know, the behavioral issues, the folks coming to school uh, without food in their bellies, um, that speaks to this Mm -hmm. issue directly as well. So how balanced of a budget is it if we're negating our responsibility on the social spending? It all just seems to tie into that old adage, penny wise, pound foolish. Mm -hmm. And that's really... Him Mm -hmm. in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. That's this government in a nutshell. You know, they're determined. It's all about the bottom line with them, but they don't see the long-term consequences of their actions. So it's sad. Um, That said, the campaign's been in the field for a couple weeks now. Mm -hmm. Have we gotten any feedback on, on it so far? Yes, Alex, you got some. uh... (laughs) So on the campaign website, we do have a form there for folks to leave comments and to join the campaign. Um, And I can say that we've heard from many, many different people um, from different uh, backgrounds and from different uh, different parts of uh, of the province. Uh, I can read out a couple of quotes uh, right now. Um, Let me find one here. So this is one from a foster parent. I'm a foster parent who is appalled at the condition of children when they finally do come into care. Years and years of neglect has devastating effects on the most vulnerable and helpless in society. Uh, It is disgraceful uh, commentary on our priorities to not be funding the system properly. Uh, so again, a foster parent who's seen the impact of, of this underspending. And been um, in the system for a few years, so they have some institutional knowledge of what it used to be like versus what it's like today. Absolutely. Um, another example of this, um, as a social service provider that holds space for people involved in the child welfare system, the issue is near and dear to my heart. I would say that it is far surpassed the brink. 
um, mm. at this point in time. Um, so we've received uh, uh, hundreds of comments uh, with similar uh, sentiments of um, that it is heartbreaking to see what is happening to kids. Uh, mm. They they see the workers, they see how stressed they are, um, and that something needs to change here. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been positive pickup and feedback um, on on this call, and that's the important part, is that if we're gonna see change here, we have to see dialogue, uh, and we have to see this talked about um, in that political level uh, so that we can see some change happen. Jason, have we heard back from government yet? Uh, we, we have heard from government, and uh, I, I think at the last meeting I was in, I said it four times, exactly what it is we were looking for, and uh, a minister looked back at me and said, I get that very clearly. So they know what's going on. So if they don't act accordingly, as I said, we're working on next next steps right now, Alec, mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go forward with our campaign and mm -hmm. bring it to the people because uh, I see a lot of thing, a lot of activity in government, which just leads me to believe that it's got to be a good news type of budget. But their actions are going to speak for themselves. And if we go by what they've done in the past, they're doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So we need to be prepared for where they're going to be. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm hearing a lot from our members. They're, they're saying, finally, people are speaking out. Us being a, a two, two advocacy organizations, we, we do need to speak out you know, for the public, me mm -hmm. for the members. But uh, we do need to speak out and, and say what's going on. And my members are saying, finally, uh, they're hearing what, what needs to happen. Pressure is being put where it needs to be on the politicians. And uh, we're just moving forward with it. So uh, I just want to say to our members out there that, that are listening to this, we're on this. And uh, we're trying to do the best job that we can, and we're hoping to be successful. And uh, stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people have uh, probably seen our ads on the sides of buses in Halifax and Cape Breton. Uh, also, we're online, different social media channels as well. The campaign website is childwelfareonthebrink.org. Uh, we are asking people to go to the website, and there's a letter there that they can send to the premier uh, to ask him to make sure that funding is increased in the next budget. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. So thank you very much to both of you. And to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to Union Matters. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at NSGE. Have a good one.